Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast. I'm Joe Bullmore, the editor of Gentleman's Journal, and our guest on today's episode is Labyrinth, the musician and super producer. I first interviewed Labyrinth back in 2019, just when his last album, called Imagination and the Misfit Kid, had come out, but before the wild runaway success of the giant HBO show Euphoria, which in fact became the most tweeted about programme in history during its second season earlier this year. A huge amount of that success is almost certainly down to the show's soundtrack, which Labyrinth, of course, produced and scored in its entirety, creating songs and moments with the same soulful and yet otherworldly energy that I think characterises all of his music. His latest album, Begins and Ends, which comes out any minute now at the start of November, is certainly best described as otherworldly. And we talk about the cosmic nature of Lab's music and his beliefs in a highly enjoyable conversation, along with his feelings on his recent ADHD diagnosis, how he's excited about the great adventure of death, and why fame makes toddlers of us all. Enjoy! But before we begin, I'd love to tell you very briefly about the Gentleman's Journal shop, our new men's style destination full of the independent brands that we love. You can find it at shop.thegentlemansjournal.com. That's shop.thegentlemansjournal.com. Head over there for special, unique releases from a fine curation of brands and plenty of picks and pointers from people in the industry who really ought to know. I'm sure you'll find something you love. You look like you've got some pretty fancy equipment behind you. Oh, yeah. You're in the studio. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. How many hours a day do you think you spend in that studio? I don't know, at least 15 hours, as much time as possible. Wow. Um, Good. But because I have kids, I have to leave at seven. But before I had kids, I could literally stay in the studio for four days and not even notice I was in there. When do you sleep? I, I wouldn't. I would stay up for four days and just keep going. Wow. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm feeling kind of tired. I don't think I've been eating properly. <laughs> I would just notice that like four days in. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, thank you for joining us here. Thank you for sparing an hour for the Gentleman's Journal podcast. Yeah, yeah. Good to be with you, man. Yeah. So we met three years ago. I remember. When you just released Imagination and the Heartbreak. Yeah, yeah it was in a cafe, right? It was in a cafe in... Yeah. Uh, King's Cross, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, there we go. And the world was a different place, wasn't it? Mate, it was an absolute, like, it was a whole different spot, man. But also your career was in some ways quite different then. In the last three years, you have now been inescapable in many ways, especially for any of us who um, watch Euphoria. I wonder how those three years have treated you. It's just been like, I, I guess... Like the album Imagination and the Misfit Kid was the album I decided to make because I was just like, I need to make what I feel, like what my instinct tells me to make. And I feel like at the time, that's what I was telling you as well. I was like, I just, this was the direction, even though it felt like I was treading on dangerous uh, ground. And then I guess maybe my instincts were right because a lot of that music ended up on this massive HBO show that just became a worldwide kind of smash so I was like a lot of the things I was saying to you at the time kind of came to fruition where it was like I have to trust my instincts and it just kind of made me understand that I better stick to what I'm saying <laughs> yeah 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 go with your gut 
Yeah, 100%. We meet again on the eve of another album about to being released. Flipping out. In a really? whole different industry as well. In a whole yeah. different industry. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 How do you finish an album is the is my question. Like, how do you know when it's done and you can stop tweaking and tinkering with it? I think you only learn how to finish an album by failing miserably at it. And I think for me, it's literally learning how to let go. That's how you finish the album. It's just like there's one more thing and you're just like okay uh, i'm gonna put the nail in the coffin right now and just move away just walk away that's what you gotta do yeah <laughs> and like i guess it's like there's so much more life to live and there's so yeah. much more music to make so getting stuck on a record can feel like you're not living yeah so so that's that's for me it's just over the years i've learned that like just let it go it's a kind of a crazy time i remember that when Kanye West released Yeezus he was kind of editing that until like 10 minutes before <laughs> it dropped and then even afterwards he was tweaking like the I guess the Spotify and the Apple Music versions or whatever so you could yeah. get a different version 10 minutes later bro I'm that guy I'm, I'm the same <laughs> I won't even lie like I know I look look at me saying all this shit to you like yeah man you just gotta learn to let go bro every record that's going out I'm still calling the engineer like do you know what that kick's too loud you know let's just turn it down and then and then they're like lab we has to go on DSPs tomorrow <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> so I know how to hold on to little bits but the whole record I'm not like running back in the studio and like I, I won't lie I've been like even with this record I've been like do you know what I should just delete it and just start a whole new one I've, <laughs> I've progressed since then like because I made this album two years wow. ago and there's moments where it's like oh I'm so excited I love this stuff and then and then there's moments where I'm just like what the hell am I doing this is just old and this music industry just moves on all the time and I'm like I'm moving on all the time so you just have to let go and just put it out how do you feel today about the album and in general <laughs> do you know i feel like i don't actually have a perspective on it so i feel like i have to share it for for the person it's for just like my last imagination and a misfit kid that was five years or seven mm. years and by the end of it i hated the album i didn't know what the hell it was and the album didn't do amazingly well nobody cared like it wasn't that big but in terms of what the album did for me is like there were so many artists that borrowed from the record. There were artists that came to me about the record where they were just like, yo, you sound so free, like, and I wish I was there. And I didn't know that meant that for them. And then, of course, like, uh, there's a few records of the album that have become like platinum records because of uh, Euphoria. So with this album, I have no idea what it's meant to be, but I'm just like, mm. I'm, I'm peaceful enough to be like, I'm going to allow it to become whatever it needs to be, you know? It's called Ends and Begins, I should say. And and it's got a kind of space theme, a kind of cosmic energy. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the vibe. <laughs> Are you interested in space? And if you had an opportunity to get on a spaceship and go to Mars, would you take that? Would you want to live out there in the great unknown? I watched that film. What was that film? The The, the, the Martian. Martian. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I hated it, so I wouldn't want to go to Mars <laughs> because I I don't want to have to make vegetables <laughs> in some <laughs> random spot on Mars. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> but um, okay. no, um, I'm more interested in leaving the Milky Way, like literally going into other galaxies because um, wow, I think my brain is like this one's boring already, <laughs> and I haven't explored it. <laughs> so um, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, there's a video online uh, where they, somebody, I think they've gotten a drone to literally fly from Earth 
as far as possible outside of our galaxy wow. to other galaxies. And it looks so insane. And that's kind of what I'm more interested in doing. <laughs> so it's kind of an escapist record in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, the record is kind of inspired by a few things. Like space is part of it, like cosmic energy. And me and my wife's relationship, like um, all the songs are um, loosely based on themes and like moments that happen in me and my missus relationship. And it's not deep i'm not like telling the story like uh i don't know like phonetically telling the story like yeah every uh, on saturday you broke my heart and on thursday we got back to there's none of that it's literally just like this moment with my missus inspired this um uh inspired this record so every record has like a moment attached to it um, yeah. and then i wanted the record to be like two lovers um kind of like natural born killers in space yeah uh, in the cosmos and so like just all the records were kind of um inspired by that theme in my head and what about the title ends and begins it's that's quite cryptic yeah ends and begins um there's one song on the record called ends and begins of course and it's like um it was inspired by like seal and like i remember Steel when he was doing um crazy there, there was so much fun stuff in the 90s that i love but um i say your love ends and begins me and poetically that um, you could have met someone in another life. So it's like, you never know where the, where the, the, the cycle ends, if you get me. So yeah. that's how I kind of saw it. Do you believe in kind of fate and destiny and things like that? Oh, reincarnation. All, all, all that? Yeah, I feel like a lot of the stuff on Earth is pre-written. Like, I think us humans are arrogant enough to believe that we're that important, that we get to make every single choice that goes on in life. But when I look at everything that's going on on Earth in terms of the way the trees work, the way all the systems work on Earth, they all look like they're pre-programmed. And so for me, I'm like, why do we think we're any different? Like how arrogant of us. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so for me, um, yeah, that's kind of how I see it. Can we go back to a bit to the kind of the early days of your career? Because yeah. for someone of my generation, which I guess is the same generation as you, you were the soundtrack in many ways to my like first year at university and all the big kind of scary parties I found myself going to. That's mad. And yeah. I guess a lot of your kind of early work with Tiny Temple was kind of your breakout thing and you had a number one with yeah. Pass Out, which was absolutely yeah. everywhere. I wonder what, what was your life like in the weeks before that song came out? Pass Out! <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just remember. <laughs> Sorry, bro, when you said Pass Out, I just remembered going everywhere and just hearing people go, yeah! Yeah, <laughs> <I'd be> like, <laughs> that was like oh. the theme for my life, like just everywhere. <laughs> um, sorry, what was my life like before Pass Out? Before it, yeah, and then and afterwards, uh, yeah. How did it change the kind of day to day texture of your life? Do you know? Um, uh, before it's my life, honestly and weirdly, hasn't changed apart from that my music has become bigger and bigger. Yeah, like before Pass Out, I was in producing in a studio with like artists from like Italia Conti and uh, the Brits and like all these artists that um, were introduced to me through an artist I produced called Master Shorty. Um, mm. And at the time he was like either sleeping with someone or best friends with someone from a theatre school. Mm. Um, and a lot of them kind of came through my studio. And so literally I was just a homeless bohemian sleeping in the studio, eating jammy dodgers, and making music until I literally was like 
like red eye, like just like almost half dead, you know? Um, and then loads of people would just come in and just because they were just like, we love Lab, we love the way he makes music. And then a lot of my music got spread out to all these people. And that's how I ended up getting um, uh, a publishing deal is right. through a lot of these artists I was working with. So that was going on then. And then after Pass Out, my whole career kicked off and I was touring and I just wanted to be back in the studio. So I found a way of going back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I literally used to say, look, I'm back in the studio, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how did that song come about? What was the, how, was Tiny just one of the guys who came through your studio? What was this kind of process? No, no. Um, and my publishing label, I was producing, um, when I got published or like signed, um, publishers were like yeah so lab we love you for what you do like your music's sick but like um here's a reference for this artist we want something like rihanna um i don't know what's going on um what's it uh umbrella uh beyonce uh <laughs> sweet dreams and all this kind of shit and i was just like so what the fuck did you sign me for like wh- <laughs> why like i didn't sign or come into this industry to become a like to yeah. just produce somebody else's shit. So um, I got really, really frustrated. And then I just started um, thinking of how I could produce. Um, could I make a grime song popular? Like that's what was in my head. I was like, could I make like a like a um, concoction of grime music that um, would still work in the clubs? That's what I've, I wanted to do. And then I just started kind of tweaking away in the studio. And then my publisher's introduced me to tiny and they were like yo this guy uh this artist like he's 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 been grinding he's been touring around the country he's well seasoned people love him and like uh like he's this vibe and i was just like yeah man let's do it and then he came in the studio and i played pass out to him and then he was like yo but i didn't know it was yo at the time i just thought he hated the record and left the room but he came back in with the song so i was like shit okay cool it was as good as i thought it was (laughs) (laughs) Can you give me, yeah, what's that sound he makes? Yeah. Can you do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do it better than I do it, bro, man. You must have listened to it more than I have. I'm sure it's somewhere, yeah, deep Pata. in my country. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember when I'm, I asked you about that that time three years ago, this is the quote you gave me. Can I read it back? Here this is slightly um, plagiarizing myself, but he said, being famous is a bit like being a toddler and getting all the attention I never got. You're the number one toddler. You get used to it. And then when that dissipates, you want it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what happens. <laughs> That's evolved since then. I call it that every artist in the industry is a toddler waiting <laughs> to be told either good boy or good girl. That's what we're all looking for. It's just the good boy and the good girl. And the inner child is like, please, somebody say good boy. Do you still feel like that? Do you still feel like a toddler? No, I'm like, fuck your good boy. I don't give a shit about your good boy. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm the bad kid. I'm just like that toddler, just that the wonky one that just maybe got dropped when mama, mama was rocking him to sleep. You know, like his head wrong. When when I hear you speak about you know the time you spend in the studio, I just you know that rule ten thousand hours, the Malcolm Gladwell thing that you're gonna do. You must yeah. have done like twenty thousand hours of this if we add it all up. How many how many yeah. songs do you think you've you've made in your lifetime? That's such a male question, but I want numbers. Um <laughs> we're talking thousands, tens of thousands? Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. Like um I remember reading this uh like it was like an interview with um Aphex Twin. Yeah. Um 
And I felt like he was from the same kind of mindset that I I have, like in terms of like just wanting to write music all the time. And I was just like, I thought maybe there was something wrong with me, but I was like, okay, there's other weird people like myself. It just never stops. You just always have an idea and you just kind of want to keep putting it together. So yeah, I, like I've got hard drives, like endless hard drives of music. And I think uh, maybe I, I, I found out that some of it, of my behavior is due to ADHD. Like, right. I uh, got diagnosed uh, with ADHD a few, like, few months ago. Wow. And I started reading up about it, and a lot of my behavior and a lot of the way I make music is due to this this thing. Wow. Which was like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Does that change the way you think about your creativity or not, really? Does it matter? I think uh, it made me understand just some of my behavior and some of my some of the procrastination some of the unfinished music that gets left mm. around um yeah just just some of some of those behaviors like of my my journey in the industry I'm like okay I see why I've mm. done some of the things I've done you know um and it's kind of nice sometimes to have a, a, a perspective on why these things are happening or why um the way I tick the like yeah why I tick the way I tick you know yeah do you procrastinate? It doesn't sound like you you do much time wasting. It's more of a I usually procrastinate when um like I don't love having to be out in the music industry. It feels boring to me. Yeah. But um I know it's a necessary evil and I'd much rather just sit in a studio all day making music. I guess you can do it nowadays, but but um uh, if I want to connect with people, I want to share uh, what I'm doing, then uh, it's it's necessary, if you get what I mean. So um, it makes me just readjust like my thinking about like, okay, I know I think like this and I know this is the easy route for me, but like uh, the procrastination sometimes is like, I'd much rather just sit in front of this machine moving yeah. these buttons <laughs> and, and literally that's my Grammy. Like that's what happens for me. But yeah. But... I would have no career and I would have no food for my children if I did that all day. <laughs> so I have to like find a balance. <laughs> I've heard you say before that you kind of have conversations with yourself when you're in the studio. Is that actually out loud? Talking? Yeah, yeah. So um, what happens is it's like um, um, I have like, I call it a board of directors and it kind of, <laughs> the perfect example is like um, inside out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. how people say you have all of these things and it's not necessarily emotions, but it feels like these, uh, my fellowship of the ring, my Lord of the Rings group um, that are just like, okay, lab, I'm hearing funk here, lab yo, throw that bass from this. And and it just feels like I get inspired that way. Like it feels like I've I've got all of these guys just sitting around in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> but if someone overheard it from outside the studio, would it sound like there were five people in there talking? Yeah, yeah. When I was working with Sia, um, she was like, Lab, I love it. You sound crazy. But um and then I was uh, um um a lot of people are like, it's like I'm a kid and I'm talking to my imaginary friends. And yeah. I'm just like, oh yeah, 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 okay, okay, cool, let's do this. And, and um, I remember Zendaya as well, um, saying like, "Lab, I, you're, there's something wrong with you. You're so weird, but I love it. Like she, she loves watching me make music in the studio because she's just like, it's actually a joy to watch you like, yeah. right? Because I just look bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> a tip someone gave me about creativity: when writers complain about writer's block or whatever you want to call it, that uh, someone once said to me, you should 
write imagining that there's some very sympathetic, loving reader who's going to read it, like my sister or my mum or someone who just loves me anyway. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's nice, yeah. Do you have an imagined listener in your head when you're like making things? Do you think, oh, this person's going to love it or this person might think this about it or is it all just you? No, I just I just ask myself, are you telling the truth? That's all I say. Like, is that, are you telling the truth? So it's kind of, I think writer's block to me comes from a narrow narrow thinking so it's like i think when you feel obligated to write a type of record yeah um i think writer's block can come very easily but when you kind of leave the uh, road as open as possible you're gonna go actually i'm tired today um let me write a song that fits with the way i'm feeling right now and then all, all of a sudden you find yourself kind of back on like this like like excited loop of like oh I've got another idea and it just kind of spirals, you know? So it's like finding your ways around, like back into the, 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 like, um, the energy that, that you need, you know? Yeah. You mentioned, um, Sia there and I know you've worked with Diplo, you work with a huge amount of, of incredible producers. Have they given you any advice? Is there anything you've like really tangibly learned from those kind of people or Kanye West, for example, is another one. Be famous and make loads of money. That's what I've learned. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they've done that. They've all done that. Yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. That would that would be. I guess so. I guess maybe they're advising me that indirectly. No, um, I think a lot of them were very just like creative. They were, and and they kind of just seem like they're they're still their kids wanting to make the best thing they could make. Sia was like mad instrumental in like the process of me learning how to let go of music. That's one thing that was amazing with her. I remember going to one of her houses and she had written down the rule, don't think, don't think, just literally consistently down the wall. And I was like, why? And then and then I thought about it and I was just like, sometimes you can think to the point where you ruin the shit out of your life. And just like just having that and then her being that person where she was just like sometimes when I was in the studio with her I would overthink and she would be like lab like it's sick from the first moment you're touching it just don't hold on to it don't get don't like yeah don't overthink it and then as soon as I started doing that I was like shit actually I'm enjoying this way more than I was you know so um like she's been like I think she's actually one of the nicest people in the music industry especially on that level and she's just like a super warm person I don't know if you listened to it, her interview with Louis Theroux in lockdown. And it was, she came across as just like the nicest and like kind of most emotionally open and vulnerable in a wonderful way. It was just just kind of, it was like very rare to hear someone in the public eye be like that. It was kind of beautiful. She's the only person that that I've ever experienced that is literally like, I'm here for you. I'm here for your family. I'm like, I've you've got me whenever you need me, and so yeah, that's why I got mad, mad love for Sia. Like honestly, yeah. her success couldn't have happened to to a nicer person, I suppose. Honestly, yeah. she deserves it without a doubt. So when she gave you that advice about um, not Don't overthinking, think. did she yeah. mean that like in music, or did she mean that for everything in life? And do you do you think that's something you do or something you don't do anymore? I do think less. I still think a lot, but um. I, I um, it kind of gave me like coping mechanism to just be like, am I doing that to be, to be watchful of it? You know, like where I'm mm. like, are you holding on too tight to something that you can't control? Because that's really yeah. what overthinking is. Is like you get attached to ideals or desires, and as soon as you get so over obsessed with a desire, you mm. literally ruin your life. Like you can you cannot control the outcome. 
Yeah, that goes kind of back to what you're saying before about we can't have a preordained plan or we can't be in control as humans. It's kind of the arrogance of, of humans. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and like even like it's my life. <laughs> like yeah. saying that, it sounds so stupid. Like my life, like you own it, and it's like literally. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, if it was my life, I would literally be, be able to control exactly what's going to go, going to happen. We can only control the choices that are made on the drive. And we can control if we stop the drive. But even dying is another journey. So we can't, we can't, literally can't control where we're going. Nice. Can I ask you what you, what you think happens after death? I didn't expect to ask that today. But I'm so I'm excited sure about you. it, man. Um, <laughs> I know that's it. I know that's I'm, it I'm terrified. People. Isn't that the scariest <laughs> really? thing in the world? The unknown it's and that. Bro. Oh. It's amazing. Because that's the thing is we've been taught to be scared of death, but everything on earth, I'll just look at earth as like the advice. Like it advises me. Like nature advises you about the way the world works or the way mm. uh like the system or, or whoever the programmer of all this shit is, um, it advises you like death is uh, um, um, goes on to create a new life. So it's like nothing truly dies. Like yeah. when something dies, it goes to the earth. The, it feeds the earth. The earth feeds the next animal. And it's like everything is like a complete circle. So to me, I'm like dying to me feels no different. It feels like we we evolve into something else. So I, I don't look at it as an end. That's you're why excited. I'm excited. You're, you actually feel excited about I, it. I'm so excited. I, I, and I, oh. it's not it's not even in a suicidal way but i'm nice. excited in a way that is like it feels like a transformation to me um but but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna push it on like i'm not gonna force it to happen <laughs> no, no, <laughs> when it's time it's time when life chooses <laughs> yeah yeah i need some of that that's a it's the most amazing attitude i've heard about it all i'm gonna start <laughs> yeah. telling myself that i'm excited by <laughs> even if i'm not you even look scared to say it. you're like i'm excited I by it I'm like, <laughs> i know that's pathetic i was listening to uh an interview with paul mccartney sir paul mccartney and he was saying like with the beatles people get so caught up in the personal politics like the album listing where songs were on the album yeah. like what was going on with him and john at the time and he's like in a hundred years all people remember is probably like five or six songs, really, maybe. He's so right. And that's Paul McCartney. That's mad, isn't it? That's crazy. I wonder what what are your songs? What do you think when people look back on this period of culture? Is it going to be Euphoria, the soundtrack? Is it going to be what you're doing now? Or what, what do you think the songs will be that people will remember? I have no idea because... Like I've done that where I've been online and then I've, I remember I was like loving, I was I just had my this Nina Simone moment in my life and I was killing her records and all the ones that I loved the most, like I was like, this is, this must have been worldwide smash, <laughs> destroyed everybody's hearts. And then I look on, I look at where it charted and some of them were just like out of the top 200, like nobody yeah. gave a shit about the record, but now they've become legendary, you know? So yeah. we have no idea what, our imprint is going to be like later on mm. if you get I me mean, so I, I i feel like for me it's more important about just making an offering and like i've said in the start life chooses what it's going to be like if you yeah. get I mean in the in the long run and i guess for you like an unexpected thing like that was was the success of euphoria but the success of that show is so pinned to the soundtrack and the the way it feels to watch the show which is kind of a completely new way of making a show i've never yeah. seen anything like it it's yeah, yeah it's amazing and overwhelming and 
your music is a big, big part of that. How do you feel now? Do you watch those episodes back? Like, that's a broad yeah. question, but what? how do you feel about that show? I feel like it's another offering. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like deeply appreciative of being able to achieve a moment that I've wanted to achieve, which yeah. was composing for a show and to go into another part of what I do as a creative because um, I felt quite stifled in the UK when after Pass Out and after releasing my album, I did feel quite stifled because I felt mm. like I was only seen as one thing. And it was like, oh, you're you're this tiny temper fad that's going to come and disappear. And it was like, no, but I, I study music theory. Like I know how to score music. I know how to do all of these things. And mm. you're whittling my whole life and my whole career and my whole um, musical contribution into... Oh yeah, he just writes a little cool pop song that they play in BCM, and I was like, okay, shit, wow, that feels like a bit insulting, and um, it feels like with Euphoria, I've I've had the chance for people to be like, this is the breadth of what you are as an as a creative, you know. So yeah. for me, I feel like um, I feel like that feels quite um, like a, like a relief, like honestly, yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Talking of music theory, you told me about the Phrygian scale. Is that right? Yeah. And I now, if ever, um, what's that song? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's good. I, I couldn't tell you if that was correct, but it sounded beautiful. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Earthquake is the song. And if I ever hear that now, I go, yeah, that's the Phrygian scale. <laughs> And, and, and no one can follow up with the No one knows what that is. So they go, oh, do you okay. know what? Look, I flopped. Yeah. Do you know what? I did flop. It, uh, it, uh, earthquake. It's not- kind of has a Phrygian movement, but oh, it's no. actually, uh, I don't know, like <laughs> musical Phrygian, is going to be like, this guy don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> no, so it's basically attached to the harmonic minor scale. Okay. And the harmonic minor scale is like um, the fifth, the fifth degree of the harmonic minor scale, I think is a, uh, what is the fifth degree? It is, I'm going to find out right now, watch. I'm writing this down so Harm- I get it right. Harmonic. Wait, harmonic minor scale, minor scale is, um, it's a mode from okay. the harmonic minor scale and it's the fifth mode. Wait, show me in a row. There we go. <laughs> Bro, this is how much I love music. I would go online to find out what the scale is. I love this because <laughs> I'm only going to use it in the pub. Saying, yeah, it's yeah. right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it is. It's the Phrygian dominant scale. So it is Phrygian, Phrygian but it's right. um. So you, right. so you don't sound crazy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good. You don't sound. No, crazy. no one can fact yeah. check me on it anyway. But I'm glad I've heard <laughs> from the man himself. Um, I've always wanted to do this with someone who's kind of incredibly musical. Can I throw yeah. out some artists at you, some pop artists and musical yeah. artists, and you tell yeah. me in a couple of words what you think, whether they've influenced you, whether you like them. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's start. Well, that's if I know them because I spend too much time in the studio and, and not listening. So I need to, yeah, go <laughs> I on, hope go you'll on, know please. these. You might not. But let's yeah. start yeah, with man. A Tribe Called Quest. Of course, man. They're bad boys. Like, electric relaxation was, yeah. like, used to, like, um, I, just over in circles. What about The Grateful Dead? The Grateful Dead? I haven't heard. Oh, I need wow. to be schooled. Kind of 60s psychedelic San Francisco. I, I'd probably like it then. You would like it. That's yeah, what I thought. Yeah. Okay, uh, okay. Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen. Um, bad boy. Um, <laughs> um, literally, me and my my missus spent, I think it was like a whole week just playing Leonard Cohen songs, like yeah. just in the house. So like he's definitely crossed my universe many times. And I, um, I use his style. Like there was one record on the new season of Euphoria 
what if the world was on fire i did a song with like him in mind so like oh wow yeah 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 oh good okay i'm glad i asked yeah yeah tiny temper who's that no me see those guys what do i think of him <laughs> do you still hang out with him i guess do you still see with see him i haven't seen tiny in years actually i haven't seen him in a long time tiny was always the businessman man he was yeah. uh, like a, I always thought he was an amazing salesman, like just sick at being an artist. And I remember sitting with a cab driver, like an Uber driver, and he was like, I know Labyrinth. And he was like, yeah, man, I loved all of his songs. And he was talking to me about it, but he didn't know I was the guy. And then he was like, yeah, Labyrinth was always the weird one that like, it was like, maybe it happened to him on accident. And I was like, that's quite funny, but it's kind of (laughs) true. He was like, Tiny was the star and Lab was like that weird guy. And I was like, yeah, man. <laughs> that's what that's, I figured, Tiny. That's a great interaction. What about uh, Blink-182, the pop punk band? Is that Teenage Dirtbag? No, that's no. Wheatus. But I'm interested oh, to know what you think of them too. Wait, what's Blink-182? Blink-182, uh, uh, I fell in love with the girl of the rock show. Oh, sick, man. Yeah, love it. Like I remember um, watching MTV and hearing them on MTV, and and me and my brothers and sisters would be pretending that we had our own indie band or rock band. Yeah. So I, I've got to thank cool. them for that one. What about Marilyn Manson? I'm getting really abstract now. I'm weird. <laughs> I do not. I just love the uh, the madness and the controversy created, yeah. and especially me growing up in a uh, a religious background. He was like the devil personified yeah. <laughs> like in the flesh for my mom and my parents. My granddad yeah. was a reverend, so it was like, <laughs> I, but I loved what he was. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the last one here, we're getting pretty abstract. Yeah. Labyrinth. What does Labyrinth think of Labyrinth in a sentence? <laughs> um, musically free, man. That's what I think. Nice. I say that's a pretty good summation. Two words, yeah. musically free. Yeah. So when we, back in 2019, you just turned 30 and I was about to turn 30. And I asked you what it felt like to turn 30. And this is what you said, which is kind of beautiful. And I don't think I put this in the interview, but you said it felt for the first time like your heart, your head and your soul had all come into alignment. And I thought, fuck, I'm looking forward to that. I have to tell you, it hasn't happened for me, I don't think. (laughs) But I wonder if you stand by that and if you feel like you have this kind of beautiful spiritual alignment. Yeah, bro. Like, do you know, well, it was literally, you caught me on an interview right before all the stuff happened with Euphoria. Yeah. After that, I was, I'd done the Beyonce song for Lion King. All of this shit happened after that. So it's like, and it wasn't even about the, the success of these things or them happening, but I just felt like I could hear myself, like, if you get what I mean. Yeah. So, so I'm, I, I still feel like that now. That's really good. It's another thing I tell people. That's the kind of ultimate, I don't know, level of creative and personal satisfaction if those three things come into line. Yeah, man. I'm I'm waiting for it. But we're all on a different schedule. No, I'm wishing it on your life, bro. Thank you. That's very kind. And what what what, what do you hope that this album, if we were to meet up again in three three more years, once this album's out and who knows what's happened to your career, what would be the kind of best case scenario for you? A gazillion streams never <laughs> achieved before in the history of... <laughs> I bet your record company would be happy with that. Yeah, they'll be happy about that. Um, <laughs> do you know what? I feel like I want this album to be one of m- many records 
and I'm heading up to a place where I'm going to release a stupid amount of music and yeah. I want this to be part of that experience. So people would actually, I want people to look back and be like, oh, this was lovely. This was one of the colours from the canvas that that lab kind of displayed to us. And for yeah. me, it's more about not just this album, but it's about the albums that I want to I wanna kind of share. And when you say a stupid amount of music, do you mean, what, like many, many more albums in a short space of time? I, I really want to relentlessly release music because um, I'm, <laughs> I, keep, I was saying to, I was with, uh, do you know, um, Joy Crooks? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, okay, okay. I was telling her, we was in the studio and I was telling her, I feel uh, musically constipated because <laughs> I've got so much music backed up. So it's like, <laughs> yo, <laughs> I need to... <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of an image you need I need to, to take some Andrews um, I've got to take my Andrews and just go and sit on the streaming service <laughs> oh my god that's brilliant okay well I mean I, I want to say we'll look forward to it but I'm not sure what I'm signing up for in that case but it's very exciting but um, I'm sure it'll be wonderful and always fascinating and highly unique so thank you Lab it's always wonderful chatting to you it's so, such fun no, lovely to talk to you also Honestly, I am wishing good, like, as much clarity, much creative, um, uh, like, e evolution for you, and as much fun and joy and contentment in your life, bro. Hey, that's very kind. I hope I'm, I'm doing most of it right. I can't complain. Yeah, man, you look good. Good. We'll catch up in three years and we'll see, see how I'm doing. Yeah, we'll see where we are. All right, my okay. bro. Well, if you enjoyed that episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast, you'll almost certainly love the Gentleman's Journal magazine, the world's finest dispatch from the front line of luxury, entrepreneurship and style. In fact, lucky podcast listeners like you now get 20% off our annual subscription. Just enter the code POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com to find out more.